Hey, Life Church Livonia. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Tell Me More. On this podcast, every single Thursday, uh, we take a deeper dive into the scriptures from the weekend, and um, we look more deeply into what the Bible says and how to apply it to our lives. Uh, we believe here that discipleship is a journey that doesn't just happen at events. It's the relational conversation uh, that happens along the way surrounding the events, surrounding the conferences, surrounding the sermons, surrounding the week at camp that produces real transformation in the human heart. And so we're having one of those conversations today uh, surrounding Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26, which Kate preached on this past Sunday. And if you missed that, check it out on our YouTube or here on this podcast. Uh, so Kate, I would love to just start by reading there's kind of three sections here of this scripture. I would love to read the first one and then have you tell us a little bit more. Uh, yeah, about totally. Anger. Hey, everybody. Kate here. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Hola. Como estas? <laughs> That's it. That's all the Spanish I really know. That's good. You did good. All right. Thanks. So it starts with um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You've heard it that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, which means you fool, mm -hmm. is answerable to the court. And anyone who said, I'm sorry, Raka is a, it's like an intensity. It's not you fool. This mm -hmm. is you fool. Anyone who says you fool will be in, in danger of the fire of hell. So you mentioned this on Sunday, but just for the context of our conversation today, tell me a little bit more about what Jesus means by angry. I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Yeah, totally. So um, in unpacking the words of anger, there's two different um, words that Jesus is talking about here. Um, so in scripture, well, there's two different words for anger in, mm -hmm. in scripture. So the first one that I talked about in my message was thumos. And that is the kind of anger that flares up real quick and fizzles out. And that's just like, you know, oh my gosh, you cut me off. And right, so right. I'm upset about that. But really, it's not like anything nothing's really going to happen. Sometimes people like allow that thumos to become the secondary anger, which is the orge, which is that long lasting, you feed it and mm -hmm. it becomes this flame inside of your body that just right. overwhelms and takes over. But uh, more right. often that kind of anger is the one that um, happens in personal relationships that are more intimate that you feel yeah. wronged by yeah. and you allow it to overwhelm that relationship or other dynamics you're not able to move through it you're not right. able to really work through that anger so right. it becomes something that becomes debilitating often mm -hmm. it destroys relationships it destroys mm -hmm. work environments teams ministry teams mm -hmm. work teams friendships are just mm -hmm. destroyed because of that kind of anger mm -hmm. Um, I don't believe that anger in and of itself is bad. I think that in a lot of the um, work that I have done um, personally in my own emotional health is like emotions as a gift. They just allow it. They're just indicators, right? Yeah, they tell us right. what's going on. So right. if we ignore those feelings, then they become repressed and they can become really damaging just collectively throughout all of our lives and relationships. Right. And anger is no different. So when we meet anger, the gift of anger is passion, right? So 
when you're passionate about something, it's fueled by anger. Most mm -hmm. often it's like this drive for more, this, um, it's like uh, uh, Mother Teresa must have been angry against mm -hmm. the oppression of people. She must mm -hmm. have felt this desire for equality and justice. And that motivated her to make significant changes in her own life and in mm -hmm. relationship with other people. But mm -hmm. she met that anger. She didn't allow it to become um, something that debilitated her, right? Mm -hmm. um, but when we don't deal with our anger, when we ignore it, when we pretend like it's not there, it can lead us into um, depression. We can feel um, uh, debilitated by it, right. right? And so then we get trapped in a cycle of anger and it can really destroy our relationships. So often when yeah. we have these like battles with people, I, I'm, you know, not to get too personal, but like my family, my um, grandpa just died and my family mm -hmm. is not processing their anger. They're not processing their grief well. And so relationships are being destroyed because right. there's just no communication about what's really going on. Right. There's secondary just, casualties. From yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's just not honoring to the Lord. And so that's the anger that's going on here in, in the text is that right. like, we're not dealing with the things in our lives and we're not dealing with the hurt, the, the wrongs right. that we are feeling. And so it's just decimating uh, right. family dynamics and um, an opportunity for further relationship too. Right. And part of, I think what you bring up that's really important is sometimes that anger is not um, because a wrong has been done against me. It's because of some life event, like a death, mm -hmm. that is a part of life that creates a, a uh, an anger or a resentment. And then, um, you know, we like to say with emotional healthy spirituality, when you bury your emotions, they don't get buried. Uh, they don't die, they get buried alive. You bury yes. your emotions, they don't die, they get buried alive. Yeah, totally. And uh, they totally, they leak out and uh, kill other things. Mm -hmm. sure, which sure. is in such contradiction to what God desires for us in our lives, right? right? Because if the Lord desires reconciliation, which ultimately is unity, right? He, he is devastated that his children are living this way, right? That are experiencing this, you know? And I mm -hmm. think so often that's what I hear from scripture is like, I have so much more for you for and sure. I care so much more about you than, um, you're trusting me with for sure because this isn't about this particular passage right it's it's a it's an extension of the ten commandments like you mentioned but mm -hmm. it's not about um creating a new kind of moralism it's about mm -hmm. freeing us because even if we don't kill that person right but we are yep. overwhelmed with bitterness and and the the image in my head always when i read this is that thing that when it gets brought up, it feels like it happened yesterday. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Totally. You know, no matter how long it's been, it's like, you can't even talk about it. It's so mm -hmm. painful. You can't even mention a person's name without yeah. feeling like this visceral, right. like, uh, right. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's this kind of anger. And I think that part of what Jesus is tapping on here is, you may not be killing people, is killing people's bodies, Physically. but you kill mm -hmm. a lot of relationships and a yeah. lot of people emotionally when you live this way. Mm -hmm. And so even though you've heard it said, do not murder, I'm telling you there are other ways to ruin people's lives than killing them yeah. and killing their bodies. Yep. And if you totally. don't deal with your anger, you're going to leave a wake of death in your path. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's just not a good representation of him, right? For like, sure. There's just so much of a different way of uh, conducting our lives. And that's what the Lord is really calling us into. And I think that's something that I really um, have enjoyed learning about Jesus is that it's not about rules. It's not about legalism. It's about here are some expectations. Here are some hopes that I have for you because it's actually just a healthier way of living. It's very practical. Scripture, the things that God tells us, the things that Jesus modeled for us is so practical. Right. And, you know, we all have rules that we live our life by, whether yeah. the rule oh is gosh, Friday yeah. nights or <laughs> Friday nights are the nights I go out drinking because I need that for me. That's a mm-hmm. rule. Yeah. That's a rule of your yeah. life, right? We all have rules we live our life by, um, yeah. but most of them don't actually help us flourish. Yeah. And most they don't of help them, us live fully. Right. And they don't, yeah. they don't give us what they promise they're going to give us, mm-hmm. you know, instead yeah. of, instead of peace after a night out drinking, you have a hangover. Right. <laughs> you know? uh, you've got regrets. Yeah. Got, instead of you know. rest, you have regret for sure. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Um, one of the other things that's so interesting to me in this, and I mentioned it last week um, when talking with Alex senior, but it says anyone uh, who says to a brother or sister, Raka is answerable to the court. And let's just click on this little guy here. Yeah. An Aramaic term of contempt. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a, that's a kind of profanity. Yeah. Aramaic profanity. And I have a sec, a side note on profanity that I want to say in a second, but um, <laughs> anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka is answerable to the court. Anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Mm-hmm. Here's part of what's happening in that. When we uh, say things like this to people, we are taking away their individuality and putting them into a category that's, now you're just stupid. And that justifies my behavior against you because mm-hmm. I've put you in a category of person that is less than me. Yes. And now, because you're a fool, because you're an idiot, because you're a what, fill in the blank, Yeah. Yep. now totally. you don't deserve respect. Yes. Now you don't deserve my mm-hmm. um, benign pleasure or favor. Now you deserve something else. And I'm mm-hmm. justified to give it to you because now you're in this category. Absolutely. We're eliminating the fact that these people that we don't like, that we don't ag- agree with their behavior, we are removing the image of God off of them as people. And we are saying that, you know, I heard a sermon one time, might even be Dan Pratt. Shout out Dan Pratt. Love you, bro. Um, that when we look at people, we are looking at them and either giving them a plus sign or a minus sign. Like mm, you are yeah. uh, better than me or you are less than me. And we right. are evaluating and assessing people instead of right. looking at them and seeing an equal sign. Right. You are made in the image of Christ. You are made in the image of Christ. And when we yeah. can reframe the way that we are looking at people, because people are neither um, good nor bad in in regards to us. Like we all have a simple nature. That's yep. not the point. It's just that um, you are not good or bad. You're not better than me or worse than me. You are, yep. you are the same. You are made in the image of Christ, loved, beloved yeah. to God himself. The creator of the universe made you. And whether or not you're living into that is not up to me to decide your value in this world. Right. I do get to decide if I have relationship with you, but I don't get to decide the value that you add to God. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. Um, two other quick observations on this that stick out to me every time that you'll be in danger of the fire of hell. That word there is Gehenna. Mm-hmm. Gehenna was a garbage dump outside of the city where trash was collected and burned. 
And so um, it's one of the images used for hell because it's this trash heap that's always burning. And so part of what happens is when we dehumanize other people, it actually dehumanizes us. Mm. And we become the garbage we are telling them they are. Mm. Right? And that that's what Jesus is saying. And you're going to be, you make yourself into uh, the kind of garbage that is to be burned because yeah. the way you turn, you try to make other people into a garbage that you can trash. Yeah. And it's talking about you fool and mm -hmm. um, Raka. It's talking mm -hmm. about the way that people destroy um, people's character as, mm -hmm. as well. And so this is just really not the way that we're supposed to. Right. Because when, when we, when we do this to people, they become those people. Yeah. 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 Right. Oh my gosh. Of course he would say that he's one of those people. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. He's, he yeah. voted for so-and-so. Of course mm -hmm. they would say that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And part of a quick note on profanity, part of why profanity is different in every culture. So it's not the word itself that is like inherently good or inherently evil. It's mm -hmm. the intention of the word that's inherently that is, is bad or good, right? Because bloody, for example, to all our English friends, um, is, <laughs> is a, a that's a cuss. <laughs> that's, that's a, a cuss. cuss. <laughs> but here's why. Here's why they're profane. The reason they're profane is they weaponize vulnerability and goodness, mm -hmm. right? All of our cuss words have to do with God, things that are holy and heavenly, and then we use them um, in a way to promote violence against somebody else. We use something holy and we make it hellish, right? God, you, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then the same thing with like you piece of, Going to yeah. the bathroom, uh, you're incredibly vulnerable when you're going to the bathroom. <laughs> you are, Interesting. Hmm. right? And you're taking that place of vulnerability um, that is actually a normal part of the human experience and you're making it a weapon and now compare it, take, you're, you're taking that vulnerability and making it dangerous against another person. I've same never thing. heard that before. That's so, what a, what a strange correlation. <laughs> same thing with sex, right? Yeah. You mother. Yeah. Right? that uh or you dirty yeah right we're taking something sex is a very vulnerable thing as well mm -hmm. um and it's part of what creates life it is what creates life but i mean yeah. in human <laughs> beings right but um i was gonna say huh okay i was we'll thinking i was thinking like food we'll and nourishment and you know whatever yeah it is what, it is what makes human beings right but again so you're taking something vulnerable and you're weaponizing it against somebody uh, and that's what literally it's called profanity because we're taking something good and vulnerable, like mm -hmm. eating, like the end of eating, which is going to the bathroom, like God and godliness, like mm -hmm. um, sex. And we're making it into a weapon that weaponizes mm -hmm. that vulnerability and puts shame on it and then tells you, you should feel ashamed because you are like this. Yeah, that's good. So anyway, all I have to say, that's <laughs> when the Bible talks about, you know, um, only letting wholesome talk come out of your mouth or things like that, or not to be profane. These are the kinds of things it's talking about is um, not to weaponize, uh, not to weaponize vulnerability against each other, not to weaponize um, places of, of um, sensitivity, you know, mm -hmm. and make them into something that it should, that you're imposing shame on another person for. Anyway, moving on. 
It's good. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it is. It's an interesting correlation. I've never picked up on that before. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. I think you did a good job on Sunday, Kate, helping clarify what this means and what this doesn't. Uh, but there were a couple things we cut from your sermon about this, mm -hmm. and I would love for you to tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, totally. So I think that um, in regards to conflict and um, dealing with one another, there's just our natural bend towards which way we prefer to deal with conflict, whether we are conflict avoidant or whether we are conflict pursuers. So we confront that conflict. And I think that we tend to believe that our way is the right way. Our way is the mm. best way. But then I did a little bit more research and I was just like looking for um, interesting observations about uh, conflict or teamwork. And I actually pulled out my um, results of this um, uh, Thomas Kilman conflict mode instrument dealio. And so there's actually, um, in regards to this uh, test, I guess, there's collaborating, competing, avoiding, accommodating, and compromising. And none of these ways of dealing with conflict are the right way. What this test um, and what this specific um, conflict instrument, I guess, talks about is that every single strategy has its own benefit. It has its own value. And so when we have a well-rounded team, that just means that we have everybody on the team has a varying ability to engage with conflict in a different way. So when you collaborate or compete or avoid or accommodate or compromise, there can be varying levels of engagement. And so the Lord has uniquely gifted and called each and every single one of us to be in relationship with him and to be in relationship with one another. And so when we're able to look at one another as though they are made in the image of God, as though we are meant to be in relationship with them, then we are able to actually become more um, well-rounded, we're refined, if you will, yeah. um, into who God has called us to be. Mm -hmm. We start to learn about different ways of managing conflict when we're in relationship with people who do it different than us. Mm -hmm. So whether mm -hmm. you have, whether you're married, whether you have friendships in your life, whether you work on a team of people at work, um, you're going to have to deal with um, others or you live in isolation and you suffer from depression and, and loneliness. And, and, and that's not what we're meant to be doing either. Right. Right. So I think that when we remember that our brother or sister has something against us, which just means that we actually had an outright fight that is unresolved. We There's need a to known know conflict. This, yeah. yeah, this is a known conflict. We are aware that something happened. I unpacked this a little bit more in the sermon. So go back and listen to it. But we go to that person and we actually have conversations about what we're thinking, what we're feeling, how we experience that. And then we're able to really learn and grow from that conflict to become who God has called us to be. You know, mm -hmm. there's um, this verse in scripture and you'll probably know where it's at, but I don't know, um, is that um, like in the refiner's fire, we will mm -hmm. be made in the image of God. We will be refined into. And actually, Julio Dino, years and years ago, it was like the first time that I had met her. It was at Barely Bible Camp. We're co-counseling together. She shared this um, description of the refiner's fire. And that's like when a... Um, 
metal worker is making a, like a sword, for example, the way that he knows that the metal is uh, purified is that he can see his image in the metal, that he puts it into a fire and then he beats the heck out of it. And then he puts it back into the fire and he beats the heck out of it until that fire has purified all of the um, uh, impurities out of that metal. And you can see your face in it. And that's what God is doing in this world. And so in relationship with one another, it's like we're getting the heck beat out of us (laughs) so often. Um, But I just think that it's really valuable to consider the fact that I'm not always right. Mm-hmm. And that in relationship to other people, um, I need to consistently be thinking through like, what could I learn from this situation? Mm-hmm. What could I learn from their way of dealing with it? Because I am not mm-hmm. an avoider. Mm-hmm. Avoid, it feels like um, death to me to leave a conflict unresolved. Like right. I am going to pursue you until we have ironed this entire fight out and mm-hmm. we understand all the details of what went wrong and what you did and what I did. But in this um, report, it actually talks about this idea of, um, so I'm just going to read two questions because I think it's really interesting for me personally and anybody else who is a, um, who does not avoid conflict. I just want to talk to you really quick because, you know, you are my people. It says, do you sometimes find yourself hurting people's feelings or stirring up hostilities? And the second question is, do you sometimes feel harried or overwhelmed by a number of issues? So the, this means that you are not utilizing the avoidance method of conflict. And so um, right here, it, it gives the answers to the question is that you may need to exercise more discretion and tact, <laughs> oops, framing issues in a non-threatening way. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is you may need to devote more time to setting priorities. That is deciding which issues are relatively unimportant and perhaps delegating them to others. Now, in my sermon this week, and I talked about how I'm really passionate about this thing. And then again, in the sermon, I said, and I'm really passionate about this other thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, often we can feel we people who are like very um, extremists or uh, dealing with all the things all the time. Um, it seems like there is so much that we're passionate about or so many Mm. things that we're fighting for or whatever. Mm. It it lowers the seriousness of the things that we're actually passionate about. So it like devalues the things that I really do care about. And so this is something that I really want to work on and and pay attention to. Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. If I'm passionate about everything, then um, my energy isn't being utilized very well. Right. And right. then others who are conflict avoidant or um, don't aren't passionate about anything because they're too afraid of, I don't know, being wrong, or sure. I'm not sure what some of the motivations might be for that. You avoiders, come talk to me. I'd like to have more understanding of you. <laughs> I'm not an avoider either, either, but the ones I know, it's usually the energy it takes. Yeah. And often the energy it takes to be heard. Mm. Um, because especially when the other person is more, um, uh, less avoidant, perhaps in conflict than you, mm-hmm. that the, there's often a fear that, but how much energy am I going to have to expend to be heard and not be run over? And mm. I would just, if I'm going to be run over anyway, I would rather just conserve that energy and not <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, totally. 
but then you don't but then you aren't heard and then yep. you build resentments and right. you're hurt and um, self-defeating yeah totally for sure and the thing about the um uh that one the collaborating so that would be like if you aren't using your voice then you're not being heard then it leads to resentments and hurts and um but the two questions for that style are, do you sometimes spend time discussing issues in depth that don't seem to warrant it? Or does your collaborative behavior fail to elicit? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Those aren't the right questions. Having difficulty seeing differences as opportunities for joint gain, learning, or problem solving. So you don't vocalize anything. So then we don't hear from you. So then um, we aren't able to grow because of it. Right. And then the second question is finding others are uncommitted to one's decisions or policies. Perhaps their concerns are not being incorporated into those decisions or policies. So you don't speak up. So then your voice isn't heard. So then just the loudest voices in the room are the mm -hmm. ones that are being tended to. Mm -hmm. And that's not what the Lord wants. Mm -hmm. And each of these styles were definitely tend to be dominant in one of them. Um, they're not all good for all conflicts though. The, right. the, the goal is that, each style is beneficial in different places and destructive mm -hmm. in other places, yeah. or at least non-constructive. And yeah. um, that's part of part of the goal. I think you're you're getting out of mm -hmm. um, when we recognize so there, we remember there's this open conflict. Um, how do we need to engage with it um, in order? Because we need it? to because we need to engage in it. Right. right. That's that's the whole point of reconciliation. It's right. understanding that your voice matters, your experience is important, but ultimately unity is the goal. Mm -hmm. No matter what, unity in relationship, unity um, in the kingdom, unity in the church, unity mm -hmm. at work, mm -hmm. being reconciled, not holding on to things, because then you don't want to have that inflamed to that or gay anger in your gut. Right. When you go to work, that's not beneficial. It's not right. beneficial for you. It's not beneficial for the kingdom. It's not beneficial right. for your work environment. Right. And yeah, Jesus is trying to help us not respond to, to sin with sin. Correct. And we'll get into that a little bit more this coming week. Mm -hmm. But uh, the the passage on murder ends with settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court and do it while you're still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown in prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Um, so any things from your sermon you had to cut in regards to this or things that you wanted to reemphasize or um, say about this section, Kate? Yeah, this section was really hard for me, honestly, because I don't like the um, idea of judgment and being judged and condemned and that there is ultimately um, an end of the road where we're going to be standing before the Lord answering for our lives, answering for yeah. our relationships, yeah. um, our decisions, our behavior, etc. And so um, I said it in the sermon, but um, and in the in the message online, I um, we pre-recorded that. And so in retrospect, <clears throat> I don't think I did as good of a job communicating um, in the digital service, the aspect of if we do not seek out reconciliation, there is a point where it's too late. Right. And um, 
That's not if somebody dies and that's not if um, we don't talk to that person anymore. It's when we are standing before the Lord. So mm-hmm. we have, we are no longer here. Right. And I, I feel like this idea of dealing with our own sin nature and dealing with ourselves, we have to get to the root issue of our sin. Mm-hmm. We have to allow the Lord to bring healing and understanding about um, what causes us to be separated from people because that's what keeps us separated from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I think that is really important to recognize and to talk about in the church that Mm -hmm. so many people are like, oh, I don't like X, Y, or Z. And so they leave the church Mm -hmm. or they leave their marriage Mm -hmm. or they leave um, their parents. They don't Mm -hmm. seek reconciliation. And that doesn't mean continued relationship. I talked about that in the sermon. So go back and listen to that. I think, you know, I summarized it really well there. Um, but this idea of like, at some point it will be too late. Mm-hmm. Um, that's scary to mm-hmm. me. And honestly, I said it in the sermon. I don't want to talk about that, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's in the text and it's true. And so right. I don't want to ignore what God is speaking to us because it's uncomfortable. Right. And one of the interesting things about this is there's a, a shift here. So the, the first paragraph, you know, you shall not murder. I tell you, anyone who fosters bitterness against mm-hmm. their brother or sister is, you're going to be subject to judgment. Like yep. there is um, judgment for that. Um, and anyone, you know, and I'll summarize that, that last section with anyone who labels people as less than you <laughs> mm-hmm. and therefore can justify your resentment against those people. That's, um, that's, that's hell kind of behavior. Yeah. Um, and then the second paragraph is if you're offering your gift and remember someone has something against you, there's an unresolved conflict against you. You're the mm-hmm. enemy in the situation. Go yeah. and be reconciled. And then that flips the script in this last one where, Hey, if you've wronged somebody else, because the, the end says, truly, I tell you, you will knock it out. till you have paid the last penny, meaning mm-hmm. I owe somebody yeah. else there's a yes. debt here and it's my debt to pay mm-hmm. meaning yeah. that the second paragraph is talking about um when someone has uh uh has has an issue with you mm-hmm. even if you don't have the same issue with them you're the enemy in this situation yeah. and the next one is like actually i'm the one who's done the wrong not vice versa mm-hmm. right um so do it while you're still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over the judge, the judge, the officer, and you may be thrown in prison. And part of what Jesus is talking about historically, um, there were debtors prisons where if you were in debt to somebody, you would be in prison for the amount of time it would have taken you to pay off that debt with work. Yep. And so you literally lose life time. You lose life to pay off the debt um, as that, that sense of justice and, um, yeah, I think that that the heart of that is definitely saying, hey, when you've wronged somebody and you need to make that up, uh, there's going to come a time when it's too late. Yeah. And I don't read any of this to say, like, um, don't have anger. Don't have experiences. Don't totally. like I don't hear that at all in the scripture. What I hear totally. it saying is like, deal with it. Right. Don't just allow it to consume you and take over your life and and affect the way that you interact with other people. That's mm-hmm. not what this is saying. God wants reconciliation here on earth. He wants us to be dealing with those things because then 
we can really continue to move forward on mission. We can continue, mm-hmm. continue to share about who Jesus is and, and the freedom that we experience because we've actually experienced it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we bring heaven to earth, mm-hmm. right? That's, yep. that's ultimately... Yes. We bring heaven to earth. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that this Sunday as well. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't yeah. wait to hear from you. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited about it. It's going to be, it's going to be really, really great. Cool. But um, I think it's a really important nuance to end on is um, what this is not saying is anger is wrong. Mm-hmm. What it's not saying is anger is bad. What it's not saying is you can't have anger. What it is saying, I agree with you, you got to deal with it. And you got to deal with it before it's too late. You got to deal with it to be right with God. (laughs) And you got to deal with it um, so that you do not become the kind of person that brings hell to earth through your anger. Yeah. But instead brings heaven to earth. Mm -hmm. That's good. Thanks, Alex. (laughs) Any closing thoughts you have on that, Kate? No, I think we covered it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. It was awesome to talk with Alex. And I hope that you guys have a really awesome week. Yeah, we'll see you next Thursday for some more of Tell Me More.